0: Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. I am so glad you have joined me. Let's dive in. I have two massive trends I want to talk about in this podcast and one gripe. I don't like to gripe in this podcast too much, but baby, here it comes. All right. First of all, the two massive trends. We have just had midterm elections during the Biden administration, and it's a very, very, instructive let me tell you what the expectations were prior to the election both democrat and republican prognosticators and poll takers and surveyors and experts expected that the gop the republican party would gain as many as 35 seats even conservative I mean, conservative as in being cautious and not inflated uh, estimates were that the Republicans would gain 30 seats. And, of course, there were also expectations that Republicans might flip the Senate, meaning gain some seats in the Senate so that the Senate was controlled by Republicans. It did not happen. Not even close. We're going to talk about why here in just a minute, but it did not happen. The fact is that the Senate is now still controlled by the Democrats, and the House may, in fact, be slightly dominated by the Republicans. They may have 50, I'm sorry, not 51, but 51%. They may have enough to control the House. But the massive red wave, as they called it. Remember that Democrats are called, Democrat states and territories are called blue, Republicans are called red. So people expected a red wave. It was not true. And we will be drilling down into exactly what these stats mean. It takes a little time to analyze, but right off the top, there's a conclusion that can be drawn that we ought to look fully in the face. And that is that almost all of Donald Trump's hand-picked candidates Failed. I believe at this point, none of them, I think this is right. I might be wrong. The results are not quite in as I record this, uh, but I believe at this point that none of Trump's hand picked candidates were elected may have been one or maybe two, but I, but I believe that none of them were, okay? And there's an interesting trend that I think is revealing for the future and instructive for my Republican friends. Remember that I'm a conservative independent, so I obviously have a lot of friends in the Republican Party. I have friends in the Democratic Party too, but I'm more aligned a little bit with Republican Party platforms. My gripe with the Republican Party is that it's not living up to its own platform and its own principles, but that's for another podcast. But Revealingly, those who were election deniers, those who ran in politics denying the election, believing that Biden's an illegitimate president, believing that Trump should be president, and making that a forefront of their campaign, they were absolutely defeated. In fact, consider this this stat right here. I think it's I think it's very, very interesting. Republican election deniers lost every swing state secretary of state race. Let me say that again because it's a little bit complicated sentence. I'm quoting NBC. Republican election deniers lost every swing state secretary of state race. In other words. Americans don't like, forgive my French, bitching. They don't like political bitching. They like vision. They like forward motion. They like solving problems. They like living up to American values. But to just run on negatives, to just run on, well, Donald Trump won the election, to just run on that kind of stuff, people did not vote for those people, not Any election-denying swing state secretary of state race was won by Republicans or the election deniers, and almost all election-denier candidates were defeated, and almost all candidates handpicked by Donald Trump were defeated. Now, America is a center-right country, as I'm often saying, and so it's, it's up to the Republicans to lose it, especially, by the way, I have to say, given the absolute insanity of late of what some people call woke politics and the leftism of the Biden administration and the way the wingnuts on the left are really intimidating, if not dominating, that administration, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Republicans should have gained ground. Things like Afghanistan should have been in the forefront. I mean, the stunning defeats, the ridiculous response to inflation. I could go on and on about the failures of this administration and the failures of their supporters. This should have been a massive Republican and conservative victory. It wasn't. Why? Because of the crazy mixed conservative politics these days, because of the election denying, because of extremism on abortion. Hold up now, you know I'm pro-life, but to not even consider abortion in the matter of a mother's health, if, if a mother's uh, life is in danger, not consider abortion in that case, that's extreme by any standard. Most of the pro-lifers I know don't hold that view, much less to start debating what happens in rape or incest or things of that nature. Now, the Republicans, who in many cases are not conservatives, I'm sorry to say, have gone extreme and the nation rejected them. And so now is a good moment for us to consider what this means. And I want to tell you one thing it means, and I, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more transparent than I've been before about some of my politics. I'm grateful for anybody who gets an office who holds conservative values. I'm grateful for anyone who's pro-life, grateful for anyone who is pro-limited government and low taxes and free market and individual rights and the rule of law and strong defense. And I could go on and on and on. These are the things I believe. These are the things that have made America great. Uh, These are the things that conservatives are supposed to champion. The problem now is that among those who hold those views or at least espouse those views, there's a healthy dose of crazy mixed in. And Donald Trump is perhaps the symbol of that. If you love conservative truth, if you love traditional American values, if you love the greatness of Western civilization obviously with some things that need to be modified. Obviously there are some issues in that, in that canon in that Western tradition that needed to be addressed. Obviously race was one of them and we have, we are doing that and have done that. I'm not saying it was perfect, but for the most part, it builds great civilizations for the most part. It is what we ought to be building. And we might, some people might lean toward Donald Trump because they want those values. The problem is with Donald Trump, uh, you get a great deal of ego, you get a great deal of rage, you get a great deal of uncleanness, you get a great deal of duplicity, you get a great deal of ignorance. And I I understand why, and I've even written a book on why people voted for Donald Trump and how even though he was crass and inexperienced and ignorant in many cases and just eaten up with ego, they might still lean towards him and vote for him. And I've I've described that in detail uh, regarding the 2016 election. However, here's what I want to say in all this. Now there is a clear alternative for the first time. And I'm not saying that this man who provides us an alternative is the man who we ought to support for president, but it at least shows us that there is an alternative, that there's an alternative path to Donald Trump. You see, the GOP, the Republican Party, is very much in danger of becoming a Trump cult. And that man's had his time, and he did some good, and he did a lot of damage, and we don't necessarily have to go back to that trough. We don't have to return, uh, like, abused children to that same person because we want conservative values. Ron DeSantis uh, from Florida has had a decisive victory. He is an outspoken conservative, an outspoken Christian, a strong man, done a great job leading Florida. I was actually in West Palm Beach during the recent hurricane, Nicole, and watched him lead and watched the decisions he was making and watched as he commanded his staff and watched as he addressed the public. And I was so unbelievably proud of him. I don't live in Florida. He's not my governor per se. But here was a conservative leader, former military, a lawyer, an Italian-American, strong and powerful, got a beautiful wife. She's suffering from breast cancer, by the way. Pray for her if you're a praying person. But good family. He's led well. That state is thriving. And yeah, he doesn't have any problem shipping buses of immigrants to the north to make a point to those who are making decisions about border states that, that are ridiculous or talking about Florida being the state where woke goes to die. In other words, he's tough. He's a fighter. He's a good man. And I'm not saying we should vote for him. I'm not saying he's the conservative presidential choice for 2024, but I'm saying he shows right now that there is another path possible than Trump. He shows that other people can take the lead. He shows that Donald Trump's era, his moment has passed. And that's what I want to say in this podcast. I'm not playing narrow partisan politics. The election was a disappointment to the Republicans, and it's understandable. But we know a little bit of why. The more they were leaned towards Trump, the more they were leaned towards uh, election denial, the more they were leaned towards that right-wing crazy stuff the less Americans voted for them. Americans are fundamentally a center-right nation. They want sanity. They want American common sense values. They did not elect the wingnuts left and right, except for a few Democrat cases where the those particular districts were just leaning that way. And they wanted more centrist. They wanted more sane. They wanted less crazy. And that's what this election means. And that's what this election stands for. So be aware that it is not necessary for my Republican friends to crawl back to Trump just because he was polling big some time ago. There are others starting to emerge. Ron DeSantis is one of them. And it shows us that others should be allowed to emerge, that there can be a new day for the GOP. And that will help counter some of the nutsiness on the left and that will help heal this country. All right, that's all I have to say about that. But please ponder that. And for those of you who are strident Trumpites, understand I'm about the principles. I'm about the core truths. I'm about the values. I'm not as enamored of personalities. Personalities come and go. Trump comes and goes. But you have to constantly be looking for new blood, greater character, greater leadership, wiser. If you're grasping the past, you'll lose the future. All right. Another thing I want to talk about real quickly, and that is that Ukraine is winning the war against Russia. It is an unbelievable statement that I've just made. I've told you before that Ukraine is about 44 million people, but Russia's 144 million. I've told you that Ukraine spends 10% of the size on on military issues uh, of what Russia spends on its military. It's unbelievable. And yet... Just this past week, Russia announced its withdrawal from Kharkiv. Kharkiv is the second largest city in Ukraine. It's near its northeast border. It's one of the first cities to fall. I've posted on my Twitter feed, Mansfield Rights and other places, a video that just brought me to tears, a Ukrainian soldier going into his grandmother's neighborhood, seeing her, running to her. She falls to his knees. There's a tearful reconciliation in Kharkiv. I mean, Ukraine is winning this war. It's one of the great military miracles of history. It's one of the great reversals of our time. Russia is in disarray, upheavals are happening on the street, there is serious CIA expectation that there might be a coup or an assassination on Putin because of this defeat. Uh, Russia's in chaos, it's damaged worldwide, Ukraine's on the rise, it's stunning. This will be one of the great victories for democracy in our generation. And I want to say too, that there are a lot of conservatives, some of them, my friends on the air who want to be pro Russia. They see Putin as a non woke conservative, traditional values, Russian Orthodox uh, leader who invaded Ukraine because Ukraine was a little bit more European, a little bit more pro gay, pro abortion. And there's some truth in that. No question. Ukraine was trying to be a European style democracy. Uh, And it also had a good deal of corruption in it coming out of the Soviet years. But Vladimir Zelensky was trying to lead it in the right direction. Not a perfect man, obviously, but his leadership is so stellar during this war that he really is a Ukrainian Churchill and he has turned that country and it's very possible that Russia is going to withdraw from Ukraine before too long. It's very possible that's going to happen. By the way, Russia invaded Ukraine this past February 2022, just nine months from when I'm recording this, not even nine months. And I want you to know that they have suffered 58,000 dead. 58,000 dead. Now that is as many as the United States lost in the entire Vietnam War in the entire Vietnam War, we lost 58,000 men. And Russia has lost that since February. It's a stunning defeat. It's a necessary defeat. Russia's trying to expand its empire, thus threaten the world. It's aligning with some evil characters on the world scene, China and Iran. You have a new evil axis. And there's a chance for all that to come to an end. So we need to stay the course in supporting Ukraine, but you need to know this withdrawal from Kharkiv is a huge admission of failure on the part of the Russian military, and it very well may be at the beginning of a term. Okay, those are the two massive trends that are shaping our time. However, here you go with my great big gripe. I got to tell you, I, I won't discuss my own Native American heritage and my connections to Native American culture and what have you, and uh, working on the reservations in Oklahoma and all that. You, you've heard that over the years as I've done this podcast. So I obviously have a heart for Native American issues, Native American lore, Native American heritage, and the rights of Native Americans in our society. And I am pretty much fed up with Washington, D.C., honoring, uh, try to, at least making a head fake towards honoring Native American rights and heritage. and what have you, in its museums with ridiculous offerings, with things that are actually an insult. This past week, a Native American veterans memorial was unveiled in DC. It is a great big metal zero hovering over a small pool of water. Uh, One of my Native American friends wrote me and said, it's a zero urinating on Washington, D.C., which I thought was pretty good, actually. It's ridiculous. And by the way, I think I've given my gripe before that the Native American Museum is the worst museum in D.C. There are magnificent museums in D.C. You need to go. The Museum of the Bible, the Holocaust Museum, etc. the Natural History, the National Art Gallery, Air and Space. These are world-class museums, and you need to go. If you haven't taken your family, get there. I'll help you. In fact, if, if you take a large group, I'll even try to meet you real quick and say hi or, or help you script the thing or what have you. But the bottom line... is, D.C. museums are unbelievable, world-class. The Native American, as dramatic as it is externally, it looks like a mesa in Arizona, sucks. It's terrible. And this ridiculous monument, I mean, it's just insulting. Some trendy artist was enlisted by some committee of some congressional body, uh, some portion of of Congress, and they did this artsy, trendy public art thing. It's a great big metal zero hovering over a small pool of water, a zero urinating on Washington, D.C., as my friend said, by the way, my friend from a reservation. So, I'm fed up with this, and I'll tell you what, this stuff needs to be handled more at the local level. If you want to see a beautiful monument to Native American Vietnam War veterans, look up the Native American Vietnam Veterans Memorial. It's in Wisconsin. I think the town is Nielsville, and I'm telling you what, it's magnificent. It's got a Native American Vietnamese soldier holding an M-16, but he's also holding some Native American weapons. And it's beautiful, and it's inspiring, and it's nicely positioned. And I think these things need to be handled at the state level. They need to be handled at the local level. The, the trendy, artsy crowd in D.C. can't do it right, and Native Americans should not put up with this. If I, if I was suggest anything, there should be a protest, a Native American protest out in front of the Native American Museum in Washington, D.C., because it is terrible. And this new monument, it's an insult. All right, I've gone a little long in this podcast, but it's because I wanted to give you two trends and a big gripe, but the good news is, the good news is, there's a chance for a new day for conservatives in American politics, and Ukraine is winning this war. Let's take the course. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular global speaker, and Senior Fellow for Public Leadership at Palm Beach Atlantic University. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.